So you're a child of God, but you're not maturing unless the Holy Spirit can lead you. Some people resist the Holy Spirit teaching them the Word of God. So the Holy Spirit teaches you the Word of God, and so being filled with the Spirit means you're walking in obedience to the Word of God. So you need to know what the Word of God has to say. That's how He leads you. That's how He guides you, through the teaching of God's Word. And there's a little bit more than that, but I'm trying to keep it just as clear and simple as I possibly can. So we know that the Holy Spirit lives within us, and the Holy Spirit wants to lead us. The Holy Spirit wants to bring us comfort. But now notice something else. In Romans in chapter 8, look in verse 28. We often say this is my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible because we know that a lot of things happen to us in life and we can't always explain it. But we just say praise the Lord anyway for all things work together for good to them who love the Lord. Those who are called according to his purpose. And I don't know the purpose and I don't have to know, but I know that God is working all things out for my benefit. But there's a couple things that you might need to see. A couple words that uh, you might have overlooked. Now we know that according to the word of God, uh, that there's things that God has determined that would happen to those who have trusted Christ as Savior. So he makes a statement in verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that, and see those two words? You see, that's a choice. That's not something you have to do. So what he's going to say must be in relationship to those two words that love God. Because not all of God's children love God. We can fall in love with the world. And if you love the world, all things are not working out for your good because they can uh, be the chastening hand of God. Now, that could be good. I remember about the, you know, that's good. Don't look, no, 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 that's bad. The guy fell out of the airplane. Oh, that's bad. Oh, no, 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 that was good. He landed on a hay pile. Oh, that, well, that was good. No, no, that was bad. There was a pitchfork in it. Oh, that was bad. No, he missed a pitchfork. Oh, that's, that's good. No, that was... And there's no end to that. You can just keep on going in order. No. So he says, to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, God has already guaranteed that you and I have been, because of the foreknowledge of God, God has determined that those who trust Christ as their Savior are going to be made pure and holy and set apart. We're going to be with the Lord in heaven. And those who have trusted Christ as Savior... God says, you've been justified, uh, you have been glorified, uh, not yet, but you're going to be, and now in God's eye, just as good as done. All those things are going to be happening so that one day when we finally get to heaven, we are going to be in the image of his son. We're going to be just like Christ in the sense that we will have his character. Uh, we will be forever in a glorified body. And all those things, that's a guarantee. But before we get there, there's things that happens to you in life. And God says, you don't have to wait till you get to heaven. In other words, if you will love the Lord, if you love the Lord and if, if you let the Holy Spirit teach you, if you let the Holy Spirit guide you, you can develop a Christ-like attitude and be now conformed to the image of His Son. So you don't have to wait till you get to heaven. As you begin to grow in the Lord, you can begin to be just like his son. 
Another thing to think about is this. And we see in the scriptures, there's several places that talks about the adoption, the adoption into his family. Well, generally an adoption, if people make an adoption, is somebody who is in another family being adopted into their family. You know, that used to be somebody else's child, but they adopted him. Now they're in this family. But when we trust Christ as Savior, we're born into God's family. So I do believe that there might be the possibility that the one thing that we do have in this first family, when I was born into the world, I had a flesh birth. And every day I get up, I look in the mirror, and I see that it's slowly changing little by little. And it doesn't look like it does when I look at that picture 30 or 40 years ago. But this body that I have, the Bible says God's going to change this old body of mine. It's the only thing from my first birth that God's going to change and put it into my new family. It's an adoption. But look what he says here in Romans in chapter 8. And look in verse 21. He makes a statement, Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the, what? Adoption to it, the redemption of our body. Now, you take and go over there to the book of Ephesians in chapter 1. Most of you knew I, that's, I knew he was going to go there. Because you know what certain verses kind of go together. And they do. But in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1, look there in verse 12. In verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. First of all, you trusted in Christ. So when he goes at the beginning of this uh, chapter from about verse 4 on, when he talks about we were chosen before the foundation of the world and blah, 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 and goes all the way down through, and we have been predestinated and all these things. Uh, yeah, but first of all, you trusted Christ as Savior. Those are all the things that God guaranteed to those who trusted the Lord. So first of all, you have to trust Christ as Savior. That's what puts you into Christ. And all those that are in Christ, God has promised a lot of things for. And we're going to get it because we are in Him. We didn't earn it. We didn't work for it. We don't deserve it. It's a gift. It's what God has done. We have inherited all of that. He says this in verse 13. In whom, talking about Christ, you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel, the good news of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So you received the Holy Spirit when you trusted Christ as Savior, and you were sealed. You were sealed in Christ by the Holy Spirit. So you've got to have a lot of power to break that seal. And I don't think anybody in this world has the power to do that. That's why once you trust Christ as Savior, you are sealed forever. And then he makes this statement in verse 14, which is the earnest of the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession until the praise of His glory, until this body that we have has been changed. We're going to get our glorified body. Now look in Ephesians in chapter 4 and look in verse 30 to 32. 
And verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. You say, well, I thought we was already redeemed. Well, you are. But the body has not been changed. Your soul has been saved, but the body... One of these days, we're going to get rid of this old sinful body, and God's going to take this body and adopt it, but it's going to be like his glorious body. Now, where does it say that in the book of Philippians in chapter 3? Well, just for looking at it, you're not just a couple pages away, but look in Philippians in chapter 3 and look down there in verse 21. Well, verse 20 would be good. For our conversation or our manner of life, but here he's talking about our citizenship. You see, you were born in heaven. That's your citizenship. But you're here as an ambassador. He says, for our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now get verse 21. Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. And I believe this is probably a good reference to the adoption. The body is from the first birth, but it's going to be changed and glorified and put into the new family. When Jesus Christ was here, the body he had, the body that was on the cross, the body that was buried, the body that came back from the dead, was it the same body? Was it the same body he had when he was walking around? I believe he had the scars in his hands, the hole in his side. He had a glorified body. You and I are going to get a, a new body, but it's going to be something similar, I guess, to what we have. When Jesus was here, he had two legs, he had two arms, he had a mouth, he could speak, he could eat, and that part I liked. So we're going we're gonna to get a new body. Now, these things are important to remember. Turn in your Bible now to 1 Corinthians in chapter 2. Uh, we have looked at this a number of times, but one more time is not going to hurt. 1 Corinthians in chapter 2. And understand that there is something that God seems to um, delight in. And that is, he loves all of his children, but not all of his children love him. But we should love him because he first loved us. And if you read the book of 1 John, you'll find out we ought to love the Lord. Love, 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 love. It's, it's scattered throughout the whole book. But in 1 Corinthians in chapter 2, he makes a statement in verse 9. He says, but as it is written, I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that, what's those two words? That love him. That love him. You see, it's not just everybody, there's a lot of, but what God has done for those who love him. But I believe these are things that God can reveal to us in this lifetime that God's given to us. Because he says that um, in the very next verse, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. But not everybody lets the Holy Spirit teach them the things that God has for us in this life. You see, I don't have to wait till I get to heaven to have the peace of God or the love of God or the joy, or the patience. God said, you, you can have that now. You can have it all right now. And there's things that God says, I can, I can do for you, and through you, with you, if you love me. 
Because, see, God has a work that he wants done. And that's why in John chapter 14, he says, And greater works than these shall ye do. But he's talking about those who know Christ as Savior and those that love him. Because, see, when you love the Lord, then you want to walk with him. You want to clean up your life. You want to guard your attitude. You want to guard your testimony at all times. You know that you want his will for your life more than anything else in the world. And God said, if you love me, if you love me. Look what he says. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. You see, when you want to go a little deeper, a little deeper, or you can live a shallow life. This morning in Sunday school class, I gave them a little illustration that I've given to college kids. And that is every person I look at them when they come to college as a, a dry well. They're just a dry well. And so we want to take the springs of living water and we want to put some water in their wells. You see, the Holy Spirit already lives within you and that's why on that great day of the feast, Jesus stood in Christ saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And as the scripture have saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So we want the Holy Spirit to take the water and place it in these wells and then down the road. You've got water to share with people. Because you see, you can't bring out what you didn't put in. And some Christians live a very shallow life. There's no depth to them. They don't have much to give, much to share. And because of their lack of love for the Lord, there is a lack of use. They're not used. They're put on a shelf. And God will take that one little hungry heart, somebody who just comes along and trusts the Lord, and God says, there's a man that, that loves me, a man after my own heart. And God says, I'll, I'll raise that person up, and I'm going to bless that individual because he loves me. And he says, if you will do the will of God, God says he will reveal the will. If you will do it. See, what we want to do is God to reveal and then see whether or not I like it or not. It doesn't work that way. That's why he says, if you love me, the Holy Spirit that lives within you will teach you those things that God wants you to know. The deeper things. You always hear about people talk about the deeper life. Most of them haven't got a clue what they're talking about. But you don't want to have a shallow life. And the more you've learn to love the Lord and love his word. You do what you do because you want to, because you love him. And you learn how to let the Lord, the Holy Spirit that lives within you, his love is shed abroad in your heart because you want to help that person. You want to help that person. You want to see God's children blessed. You want them to have the best. You want them to serve the Lord. You want them to love the Lord because you know that's the best thing that could ever happen. And when they get to heaven, they're going to be so glad they chose to love the Lord over loving the things of this world. And it'll make a difference. So he goes down through here and he says about the Holy Spirit. If you want to know something about God, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you knows everything about God. And he can take the word of God, the Holy Spirit, and you'll let him teach you the book. You spend time reading God's word and studying it, and you'd be surprised how after a while you begin to understand. You understand. Now I understand. In all thy getting, get understanding. Then he says, in all thy ways, get, get wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge to the experiences you go through in life. 
And by the time you live your life, you're gaining wisdom. Don't you wish you could start off your life while you're young with wisdom instead of waiting until you're old? Because there's little that you can do with the physical body, and so you do more with wisdom. But what if you could take in while you're young? I wonder why he says in the book of Ecclesiastes, serve the Lord in the days of thy, the days of thy youth. While you're young, he said, let no man despise thy youth. So learn the word of God while you're young. And God will teach you so many things. But look in verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. And if you don't let the Holy Spirit teach you, there's a lot of things about the will of God you will never know. There's a lot of things about the joy, the peace, and the comfort that the Holy Spirit wants to give you will never experience. You'll know about it, and you'll wonder how come some people are like that and some people are not. Why don't I have some of that? Nobody can make you love God. But if you love the world more than what you love the Lord, you will never experience some of the things God's Word is talking about. So he makes a statement in verse 12. The things that are freely given to us of God. In verse 13, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. Now, a while ago we saw where in the book of John chapter 14, where the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, he will bring all things to your mind and so forth. Well, here we find to the church, and he's talking to some carnal Christians. See, Paul didn't try to convince them that you must not really be saved because you're so carnal. You're so fleshly minded. You live like lost people. You've got all these problems. You must not be saved. He didn't say that. Because, see, these things of God can only be discerned by the Holy Spirit. That's why in the last part of it says, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things, I would say, by spiritual means. So the holy man, the natural man doesn't understand that, but the child of God can. Now, in your notes, those are just introductory remarks. Now we're ready for our notes. But I don't think we're going to get too far on those tonight. Uh, just save those and bring them again some night. Would you do that? <laughs> I um, get a little sidetracked sometimes. But I do want you to take and look at one portion of Scripture, and that's in the book of Ephesians in chapter 5. Ephesians in chapter 5. You can read the notes. They're pretty self-explanatory. There's no demand in the God's Word, a command for us to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, because it's automatic. When you trust Christ as Savior, you're baptized into the body of Christ. Remember John the Baptist, he made the statement. He said, I baptize you with water, but he that cometh after me shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He, which is Christ, he will put you into the body when you trust that Christ is saved. That's why there's no commands in the Bible to do that. I used to wonder, and I did this for years, mainly because of my sister, Kay. She always wanted to, and she, she went to a church where they would always get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they would stand up and speak in tongues, and they'd roll in the aisles, and they did a little bit of everything. Well, she just thought God didn't want her because she tried her best. She went down every time, and she would cry, and she'd want to get the bath, and they were trying to get blah, 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 and they worked with her. And, and they finally, they told her, 
I guess God does, just doesn't love you. Because she wanted it and she couldn't have it. She'd come out crying. And she'd come and see me and she would bawl. Betty knows I'm telling the truth. And I didn't know how to answer her because I didn't even know the Lord. I didn't know. But my sister Kay, she, God bless her. Finally, one day, outside of Northside Baptist Church, sitting there in a pickup truck, I walked out the front door, and she was sitting there, and I explained the gospel, and she trusted Christ as her Savior. And it bothered her for so long. And I told the Lord after this, I says, Lord, I can't fathom the idea that there's another person out there who loves you more than I do. Now, that's how I'm thinking. Because, Lord, I love you, and I can't picture me loving you so much me wanting your will for my life, that you would withhold something good from me if it's true and if it's real. I can't picture you not giving something to me if it's the real thing. I said, but if it's not, I don't want anything happening to me. I don't want to lose my mind and lose control. I don't want no fire going up my fingers and no chills going up my back. And I don't want to speak in something that I don't understand. I said, if, if it's real... Let it be. If it's not, I'd never want it. I didn't know the scriptures that well. But whenever I started studying the scriptures, the Holy Spirit taught me what was of God and what is not of God. And I believe that my view on this issue is as right as can be. And so for 50 years, I've held to these views. But here in the book of Ephesians in chapter 5, Look what he says here in verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit means to be controlled by the Spirit. If you're filled with love, love controls you. If you're filled with hatred, hatred controls you. Filled with envy, envy, envy controls you. Being filled with the Spirit is allowing the Holy Spirit to control you. And you can read those places where 14 out of 15 times that it's talked about being filled with the Spirit, it's always in the book of Luke or the book of Acts. And only one time in the book of Ephesians. And in all those other places, you do not find where they did any of those things. One of them, and you can look at them, there are no conditions to be met. There's no feelings recorded. No commands for us to do likewise and no teachings about absolute sanctification and no command to speak in tongues. There is none. There's not one verse. And so the Bible says, I fear lest you would be led astray into a false gospel or a false Jesus or a false spirit. So the Holy Spirit is like Jesus Christ living on the inside of you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have God who authored this book living inside of you, and he wants to teach you his word because he wants to lead you and guide you in this world. And so in this world, God promises that if you love me, I've got things I want to reveal to you. If you love me, I want to use you. Not just because you accumulate knowledge, a lot of people know a lot of things, but they're never used. They're vessels that he has to set aside. But if you learn to love the Lord and no one can make you love God, that has to come from inside of you. Whenever he says, love not the world, neither the things in the world, well, that means you can choose. 
You can choose to love God or you can choose to love the world. It's your choice. But the consequences, oh, they're different. And you'll never regret dedicating your life to learning how to love God. That's why he says about abounding in love, growing in love, growing in grace, because you're growing, you're learning. And Christ can become more real to you than the clothes that you have on your back. Look up here. This hand represents you and me, and wallet represents sin. We all have sin upon us. God loves us. He hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in a literal fire burning hell. See, I don't want people to ever think that, you know, death is just eternal separation from God. Well, they may not care. They're not with him now anyway. But I want you to know your separation from God is in a literal fire burning hell. That's a good reason to trust Christ as Savior, isn't it? Because not to trust Christ as Savior is not just going to be separated from God, but in a literal fire burning hell. And I don't want people to go to hell. If you're just going to be annihilated where nobody exists and you don't know anything, that's different. I do that every night when I go to sleep. But I'm talking about there's consequences. The wages of sin, to pay for sin, is eternal separation from God in a literal fire burning hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. We've all come short of God's perfection. We cannot save ourselves. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us. And the thing that I think about is this. Remember, think about that. He loved us so much. He was willing to take our sins, pay for them on the cross, with no guarantees, would ever accept it or love him back. That's love. It's one thing you do because you know everybody's going to believe it. No, no. There's only, the Bible says, a few that find this eternal life. And he came back from the dead and says, if we would believe he did it for us, he would give us as a free gift everlasting life. We go to heaven on what Christ did for us. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. And if you're watching by internet tonight, why not right where you are? Understand God loves you. He really does. And he loved you so much, he proved it by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. He paid for your sins because he didn't want you to do it. And the only thing he asked you to do to go to heaven is would you believe he did it for you? You say, I can do that. So if you'll believe it, he puts that payment to your account and he gives you the free gift of everlasting life and you can know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. I pray that you will. Father, thank you so much for this time together. Thanks for blessing us. And Lord, do something that I cannot make them do. Cause them to love you. Let them think about these things. And Lord, I know that if each person loves you, they'll serve you. They'll not hold back. Nothing is more important in this world than loving you for all that you've done for us. And we thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.